Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside my co-host, Trey Lyle, and we are very excited for another week of baseball talk. we got a lot coming at you this week. It's been a while since we put out an episode together. I put out one earlier this week recapping the RCBL Championship Series, but it's been a while since Trey and I have done an episode together, so we do have a lot to catch up on and a lot to talk about on today's episode, including our two teams, our two favorite teams, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees, going on absolute tears the past couple of weeks, and both of them shooting up in the standings, the Braves in first place, the Yankees in second in the American League East, but they do have a wild card spot as of right now. Trey? Not just a wild card spot. I'm interrupting you, I know, but they lead the wild card right now. So they will host a wild card game as it sits right now. I don't know about you, but I did not see this day coming. I did not think the no, Braves I think, would be here. I did not think the Yankees would be here. The Yankees are 8-2 and two in their last 10. Winners of six straight. They're up 4 nothing right now on the Twins. The Braves are 9-1 and one in their last 10. Also winners of 10 straight. I mean, they now have developed a four-game lead in the, the NL East. And my Braves bets from earlier in the season with the NL East is looking really good right now. Feel good about it. And, I mean, the Yankees have a real shot at this division. I know they're five and a half back, but if they win today, they're five games back. And the only negative is the Rays, who are really good against the O's, have playing have been playing a lot, are still going to play a lot against the Orioles. But they have a shot at the division, but the wild card seems to be right for the taking for the New York Yankees, which if you asked me a couple weeks ago, I, I thought they were outsiders looking in, and now they're in the hot seat or the, the driver's seat. Yeah, the Yankees have had a really good stretch, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Meanwhile, the Braves, 9-1 and one in their last 10. If you go back 15 games, they're 13-2. and two in their last 15 and as a Braves fan it's really nice because ever since the all-star break they had that stretch of like 14 or 15 games where they just went back and forth winning and losing winning and losing they couldn't put together a two-game streak of either wins or losses and it was really frustrating because every time they won and you thought all right win one more game we're at 500 we're feeling good they would lose the, ne- the next game and then I don't know what happened I don't know what changed but they just found a way to turn it on the offense has been playing really well I mean just hitting the ball out of their minds and they they are looking really good in the standings right now I, both of us are really happy because I like I said I did not see this day coming I was ready to give up on the Braves despite the fact that they're in such a weak division and and the teams around them were not very good I, I was ready to give up on them I didn't think that they had what it took to overcome those teams and take first place in the division so I really did not see the Braves getting here at this point the Yankees I honestly did believe a little more in the Yankees because they have a very talented team. They have all those big pieces, all those big bats in the lineup. And going out and getting Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo at the trade deadline was really big for them. Obviously, Rizzo has been on the COVID list for the past couple of days. But Joey Gallo has had a huge impact for the Yankees ever since he came over at the trade deadline. I think he he single-handedly has won them at least three games so far. So he has been a, a huge presence in the lineup for the Yankees. I'm sure that you're really happy with the way they're playing right now. And I don't like, I honestly, I did believe a little more in the Yankees than I did in the Braves, but I didn't see either of them really getting here at this point. Yeah. And they're, they're the benefactories of two teams that had really hot starts to the season. 
basically fall off the map, it feels like, at this point. So, you know, with the Mets struggling like they have been and, and the Red Sox struggling like they have been, both teams are the beneficiaries of that. And uh, it, it's really good, you know, for our, our predictions at the beginning of the season. And uh, the Yankees still have a shot at the division. Five and a half games with this much left. It's going to be tight. They have to be perfect. I've said all along that they need to win, basically go two of three every weekend and then get a, a handful of sweeps to kind of, you know, establish themselves as a, a playoff team. And if they get hot, kind of like what the Nats did years ago, I mean, with this team and that pitching staff, especially if they can get Luis Severino back, which is still, I would put it 50-50, watch out. Speaking of the Yankees, uh, last week, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it yet because we haven't had an episode since then, but last week was the Field of Dreams game, which I'm sure you got a chance to watch it because it was a, a really big moment in uh, for Major League Baseball and for the Yankees and the White Sox. A really good game, really entertaining game. It ended up coming down to the ninth inning. I think it was, was it Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton that hit a home run in the top of the ninth there? Both. Both of them. Both of them hit a home run. Both. And so it goes into the bottom of the ninth, and then Tim Anderson hit a walk-off home run for the White Sox. Really, you couldn't write. I mean, I'm sure you were upset that the Yankees lost, but you couldn't write a better ending I for that game. Wasn't. For For the White Sox to come back and win a walk-off home run in the cornfields in Iowa, you couldn't write a better story for that. I wasn't upset because if you looked at who the Yankees were throwing out pitching-wise, they kind of were, especially with that being their 14th game or 17th game in 17 days. I mean, they, they played a lot of football games. And so um, for that to happen and they get through it and, you know, they, they have a shot to win and then they go back and, you know, they take two or three from the White Sox in that series. You look at the series as a whole, uh, I, I feel good about it. I mean, the fact that I was half asleep when Stanton hit the wall uh, or Judge hit the homer and it woke me up and I was like, all right, watch the end. And then Stanton hit the homer to take the lead. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it was, uh, I was amused by it. I would have been, a lot happier if the if the Yankees won, but as a whole, this was perfect for baseball. It's what they needed. It was the most watched regular season game in 16 years. They needed it. It was like finally, it seemed like a success for Major League Baseball in the regular season. Yeah, it was really cool, and the all the pageantry around it, the opening, seeing Kevin Costner walk out of the corn, and then all the players for the Yankees and the White Sox follow him out of the cornfields and walk onto the field as the you know, the music, the score from Field of Dreams is playing over the loudspeakers. It was it was a really cool, really cool experience. And uh, I, I think it's something they plan on doing at least next year as well. I don't know if it's going to be an annual yeah, thing. Yeah, Cubs and Reds, uh, it's right? It's been reported that the Reds, and the, yeah, Reds and the Cubs will be playing next year, which, I mean, that that's a good matchup. NL Central, good matchup. But I don't know that it's going to, you know, I don't know that it's going to be the same, have the same draw or appeal to it year after year. I think it was really cool that they did it, that they went back to the Field of Dreams, that they built this new field there. They had a, a, this great experience for fans to come and see the movie set, see the cornfield, see this new baseball field that they built. But I don't know if it's going to have the same appeal to it year after year, but we'll see. I mean, Reds and Cubs, hopefully it'll be a good game. I don't know if the Cubs will be any good next year, but yeah, it, it was a really cool event that Major League Baseball put on. And like you said, a win for them and that's what they really needed but back to the Yankees and how they're playing right now I do have to ask you what are your thoughts on Luke Voigt's comments that he deserves playing time at first base with Anthony Rizzo coming back off the COVID list I like that mentality I mean this is let's not forget the reigning home run leader in the American League like this is not like some dude like Luke Voigt's a really good player I think 
the problem for Luke is that defensively he's no match for Anthony Rizzo, and then you add the fact Rizzo's a left-handed bat. Rizzo is your starting first baseman, and I think, I think as a utility guy, as a guy who they can, the Yankees like to use this drag and drop uh, DH if you stand for it. I think as you know, I think honestly, the postseason lineup could be Gallo, Stanton, Stan, uh, Gallo, Judge, Stanton. You know, in the outfield, Voight plays DH, and I could see that as uh, as the postseason lineup, just because of the power. Because I personally believe that Judge could play center field because of his just his his raw athletic ability. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I, I don't really mind the comments. I mean, you want a guy you that want a wants guy to like be that. out there. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he 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 brought up good points where he was top ten in MVP voting last year. He's the reigning home run leader. You want a guy that wants to be out on the field and is competitive like that. So yeah, I mean, I I get that he doesn't want to just give up the spot now that Rizzo comes back off the injured list, but but defensively, yeah, I mean, but you got to earn it. Yeah, and Rizzo defensively is is just better. Like he's a Gold Glove. I mean, one the play he made last night to dig out a ball at the end of the game against. Uh, against the Red Sox just shows the difference. I think, you know, maybe Voight has the better bat, but you could put him at DH. You could put him, there's other places in the lineup for him, especially as a pinch hitter. But, you know, to have have that option is shows the depth of this Yankee squad and the fact that, I mean, I'm still picking the White Sox to come in the American League as it sits right now, but I it, it would be hard for me not to argue the Yankees could be, the way they're playing right now and how hot they are, the second favorites in the American League, despite the struggles they've had this season, just because of the amount of talent they have on their roster. Yeah, and they're certainly putting that talent to use right now, the way they're playing. Obviously, there's Tampa Bay to consider, I think, um, as well, to throw it in. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying you could see it. Uh, looking at the Braves, some of the best players they have, or the really hot players they have right now, Ozzy Albies and Freddie Freeman, have been playing out of their minds at the plate recently. In their last 15 games, Albies has five home runs and 15 RBIs. And Freeman has been hitting 386 with a 444 on base percentage and a 649 slugging percentage over his last 15 games. He's got four home runs and 11 RBIs in that span. He hit for the cycle on Wednesday, his second career cycle. I think he is the first Braves player to ever hit two career cycles for the Braves. And you look at the way he's turned his season around. He was batting in the 240 range in June, and now his batting average during the season is 301. So a really good season, really good turnaround from Freddie Freeman over the past month or so, especially over the past 15 games. He's been playing really well. I, you could throw him in that MVP race. I mean, there's some really good players this year. Tatis, obviously, is the front runner for MVP now that he's back in the lineup, back from his injury. You got guys like uh, Bryce Harper. You have to throw Bryce Harper in. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's playing phenomenal. I think it's and and to go to the NL East, I think it's between the Phillies who who have struggled of late. You know they got hot, they've cooled off a little bit, but um, it's but I think it's between the Phillies and the Braves for the NL East as as we look at the standings right now. You know they have a four game lead, uh, but Philadelphia has proven they can just rattle off wins in bunches already this season. So. Don't be shocked if the Phillies uh, do the same thing. Can we just take a second? Uh, think of any, and all you listeners out there too, just take a second. Think of any Mets fans that you know. I'm, I'm personally thinking of Nathan LaPree. We know Andrew Alex. Andrew Alex. Just think of any Mets fans that you know and just take a moment and, I don't know, say a prayer for them. Send them positive thoughts. Just, it's got to be so rough being a Mets fan. 
I mean, here here they were in the offseason. They get a brand new owner who's willing to spend all the money to make this team good. They get Francisco Lindor. They don't just get him for one year. They end up signing him to a long-term extension. Jacob deGrom goes out, and he dominates the first two months of the season. And it all falls apart. And I said at the beginning of the season, I said, yeah, all the pieces are there, but they're the Mets. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. And it all falls apart. Jacob deGrom, which... I'm never going to root for a player to get injured, especially a player like Jacob deGrom, because he's, if he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. But it is really unfortunate for the Mets that he is not able to stay healthy all season because he was on track to win the Cy Young and have one of the best seasons in Major League history this year. And the Mets, now their offense just can't do anything. They can't produce, and they're not winning games. And now they're four and a half games out of first place when they were leading just a couple of weeks ago. It's got to be so rough to be a Mets fan. And now you have the owner tweeting, criticizing the player's performance. It's a mess. And it's got to be really rough. It's it's wild to me. I, I can't believe, like, you know, just the turnaround this team has had from the start of the year to being, you know, the, the considerable favorites for the division to to this point. It's, it's wild how crazy this season has unfolded and. To be fair, the NL East was the most unpredictable division. I think it's proving that once again. You look at the standings from July 13th. That's the All-Star break. And the Mets were 47-40. and 40. They had a three-and-a-half game lead for first place in the NL East. Pete Alonso just won his second home run derby. Things were looking good in New York over there in Queens. And then just a month later, it's all falling apart. Yeah, got a feel for those Mets and their fans. All right, we got a bit of news on the uh, business side of baseball this week. Major League Baseball has given its first collective bargaining agreement proposal to the Players Association. Of course, the current CBA is up after this year, so going to be a lot of negotiations over the offseason. It could be a long offseason. Of course, there's a potential of a lockout if the two sides are not able to come to an agreement. But MLB has given its first proposal, and there's a reported change to the luxury tax threshold and a salary floor which we've never seen in major league baseball before and i don't know you i mean you might know this you follow other sports a little more than i do i don't know that any other professional sports have a salary floor i think the nba might i think basketball does yeah basketball i believe does uh the nfl might as well but yeah this is interesting i honestly don't think it changes much just you might just see shorter contracts for less money you know over the long term but i think the big teams are still going to spend the most uh you see it in the nba and so um i do like it kind of for parity but uh it'll be interesting to see you know i assume this needs players approval and i think that's gonna be very difficult to get so the proposal has the luxury tax set at 180 million dollars in total payroll and the salary floor is set at $100 million. So the, the, the floor is what's really interesting to me. The whole luxury tax, I, like that really doesn't, I don't think it affects the teams that are spending over that because if you're spending that much money, you can afford to pay the tax, you know? Like the teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, these are teams that have so much money. If they go over the luxury tax, they can afford to pay it. So I don't think that really changes things. But... The salary minimum of $100 million 
is what is interesting to me because I looked at the total payrolls for teams in 2021, and there are 11 teams this year with payrolls under $100 million. 11 different teams have not reached that threshold this season. So it's definitely an interesting proposal. And uh, according to the report from Ken Rosenthal, that salary minimum is going to be funded by the tax on teams that are spending $180 million or more. So that minimum will be funded by the teams that are paying the luxury tax. So it's really an interesting proposal. I don't know that it'll actually pass because like you said, you know, the players association has to approve this. They have to agree to this as well. So I don't know that this is going to be the final CBA, but this is what we've got so far. This is what MLB has proposed and it's all that we have to work with so far, but it's definitely an interesting idea. Uh, look at some of those teams that are under the $100 million payroll this year. you got teams like the Brewers, the A's, the Rays. Those are the teams that are good this year. And then there's all the teams like the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, the Royals, the Marlins, the Pirates, the Orioles, the Indians. So 11 teams have not reached that threshold this season. But if this passes, then they would have to pay at least $100 million in their salary. So I don't know. I don't really know if this is going to work going forward. I don't see it being passed in its current form. I agree. I I would see it very hard to get passed just because of this inhibits players from maximizing their value. And uh, we already know that with Scott Boris, or yeah, with Scott Boris kind of the invisible hand of the players association just because of the power he's gained with the players he has and how they're on you know basically the veteran the the leadership committee of the players association this is going to be a disgusting nasty fight come cba agreements so uh, i i definitely uh this might be harder to think harder than you think to pass yeah definitely an interesting proposal and yeah, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think the lowering the luxury tax threshold to $180 million is going to have that much of an effect. I don't think that until MLB implements a hard salary cap, it's really going to have that much effect. Because like I said, the teams that are paying that much in payroll, they can afford to pay a tax on that payroll as well. So it's not really it's not really hurting them that much, I don't think. I Like if they want to have a salary cap, they just need to implement a salary cap. I don't see that happening anytime soon. I agree with you, sir. I think we need to talk about Shohei Otani, obviously. He just passed the 40 home run mark. I mean, clear-cut NL, AL MVP. And the fact that the Angels might not make the playoffs again, doesn't that just pain you? Because they have two of the top three players in baseball, maybe the best two base players in baseball right now, and they're not going to make the playoffs. And that just doesn't that hurt your soul? It really does. I wish there was a day when we didn't have to have this conversation because I feel like we've had it so many times that there are such good players between Trout and Otani, and it, it really is a shame seeing them wasted on a team like the Angels. Even Anthony Rendon. They also have Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon. Unfortunately, he's done for the year. He's injured, but when he's healthy, he's yes. one of the best players in baseball. Yeah. Well, I mean, Trout hasn't played. That's the crazy part. Trout hasn't played this year. Yeah. And so I wonder, Which I do wonder, sad. like, what would it have been like if, if like, oh man, that would have, how good Otani and Trout, would it, their stats would have looked like? Because, you know, they pitched to Trout a certain way, and you would have to pitch to Otani a certain mm. 
maybe he comes back before the end of the year. I hope he does, just so they can make a last push. But it's just, I mean, it, I don't it see it. Really shows you that baseball is not that kind of game where you get one big star player and you're going to be a good team. Even with two big star players, you're not going to be a really good team. You got to have a team. You got to have those pieces in there. I mean, you got to have nine players on the field. You got to have a full bullpen full of pitchers and a solid rotation. So it's a a real team game. You're not going to win with just one star player, even if that player is Shohei Otani, who's going out there and pitching lights out on the mound and hitting home runs seemingly every night. You can't win with just one player like that. So it really shows you how much of a team game baseball is. But yeah, it it it, it sucks because it feels like we're wasting those players' primes. But I mean, I guess Mike Trout is happy there. He signed that long extension. He's going to be there the rest of his career. So it's hard to pass that type of money up. Yeah, yeah, it is. But he would. I mean, he would have gotten that anywhere. Fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. Shohei Otani got to be the AL MVP. I mean, it's either him or Vlad Jr., but the stuff that he's doing at the plate and on the mound. It's, I think it's over. Yeah. I think if if you shut down Shohei Otani today, he still wins AL MVP. He's the story of the season. That's the thing, too. Like, think about if this team was, like, good. That just shows baseball, like the failures of baseball. Like, the story of the season, and the Angels are a team because they can't figure out their pitching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Otani and his 40 home runs, he is just seven away from the Angels franchise record of 47 home runs in one season set by Troy Glouse in 2000. So that's a milestone to watch for as we head into the stretch here towards the end of the 2021 season. I think he could do it. I mean, only seven home runs away. I what do you think his final final tally is for the season? Do you think he gets 50? I think he gets 50. I think so, too. He's got, what, is it's August August 19th, August 20th. Got a month to so, 10, yeah. basically. A little more than a month to 10. Yeah, I think he could do it. Definitely going to set the Angels franchise record of currently at 47. I guess he'd need 58 to break that. I think he can definitely do that. Of course, other milestones to look for around the league. The big one, Miguel Cabrera looking for his 500th home run. He is at 499 right now. The Tigers hosted the Angels today in Detroit, and they could not get it done, or Cabrera could not get it done, I should say. But just one home run away. you got to think he would get that by the end of the season. He's also nearing 3,000 hits. He's currently at 2,952. So I don't know that he'll get that this year. But probably next year. He'll hit the 3,000 mark eventually. Yeah. But that 500 home run watch, that's uh, that's what everyone is is paying attention to right now. I was watching MLB Network TV earlier, and they I mean, they were doing live look-ins at his at-bats. So that's the big story right now. If he, I mean, let's see. What are his stats for the season? He's batting... 250 with 12 home runs. So, I mean, obviously not the player that he once was, but one more home run. He's definitely going to get that. Yeah, I agree. So, thank you so much uh, for listening this week. I think that's all we have, a little shorter edition. If you can, 
Follow us on Twitter. Join the conversation. Give us your thoughts on the salad crap. What do you think this season? Who do you think the favorites are? I know we didn't talk any NLS battle, but the Giants seem to still maintain control of that. But uh, at Trey Lyle VT, at Mackins21, at Foulball Area, wherever you get your social media. Also, leave us a subscription and a rate and review. We would love that. For Matthew Atkins, I'm Trey Lyle. Thank you so much for listening to the Foulball Area Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Foulball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.